What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to What's the Word Podcast. I am your host, Just Jazz, and I have three main goals. To encourage you to grow godly character, to equip you to live effectively in today's society, and to open you to salvation through Jesus Christ. So ditch what you heard, and let's discover what's the word. Welcome back, scholars. This marks the first week of our new series. This series is titled I Am for a couple of reasons. I'll start with the more obvious one. When God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, he said, I am who I am. In other words, one name wouldn't suffice. Another reference I had in mind is the I Am Man movement in honor of the two Memphis sanitation workers, which led up to the assassination of MLK. This issue is still very present to this day. On a more connected, creative level, I wanted this series to be something that will motivate us to want to be better, want to do better while growing to know and love God. So welcome to the I Am series. I want to let you know how brave you are for accepting this 15 week long challenge to really get to know God. Today's episode is titled I Am the Messiah because in this book of the Bible, we will really learn more about Jesus, not only about Jesus, but about ourselves and how we are alike. Messiah means the anointed one in Hebrew. It can also be defined as a leader or a savior of a particular group or cause. I want us to think about the ways in which God has has called us to lead and how we are moving to solidify our alignment with God's will. How productive are you for God? Some wins for the week is that we are starting a new series in the podcast and also in the Bible study and the podcast and the Bible study are talking about two totally different things. But I just say thank you, God, because it has been nine months of just growing this thing. And I feel like it is really my baby. I have seen the effects it's had on people's life. And all I can say is thank you, God. This series will cover the book of Matthew. Let me set the scene. The story begins in the southern region of Israel in Judea. Bethlehem to be exact. Joseph and Mary are scheduled to be married when Mary becomes impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Joseph has a dream that warns him of the coming trouble, so he takes his family in the middle of the night to safety in Egypt. There's a Roman leader named Herod who gets a message from some visitors that the Messiah has been born in his town, and he sends a message out to all of his goons to assassinate all toddler boys two years old and younger. Herod has to do the most because he was a king by human appointment, and Jesus was the king by divine appointment. He didn't understand that. And I just feel like God is telling me to say, somebody doesn't understand how you're about to be in the position that you're about to be in because they have more history than you. They have more experience than you but your right to passage was god-given see herod thought that jesus was coming to take his shine when he was actually trying to give him shine an everlasting shine just like many people today don't fear christ instead make him the head of your life needless to say jesus escapes this untimely demise with the help of good guardians and they all return back to nazareth where he lives his life chapter 3 john the baptist who was really jesus's cousin is preparing the way for jesus his main message was about repentance true repentance. Only God can get rid of sin, which means he doesn't expect us to be perfect upon arrival. Come as you are. We can be like John when we help prepare the way for others by explaining their need for forgiveness and figuring out their purpose in life. John not only taught the gospel, but he lived it. He lived in a way that made people want to join the kingdom of God. So I want to ask you before we get started, do you practice what you preach? Could people discover what you believe in by simply observing the way you live? John the Baptist had a really special beginning. When you find time, please go and read about his parents and what they went through just to bring John into the world to prepare for Jesus. In this moment, we realize that John is not like other people. He grew up in a desert away from people. 
He has a uniform made of camel's hair and his diet consists of locusts and honey. And so if you don't know what locust is, it is just like a grasshopper. So needless to say, John was on the weirder side. That should be a confirmation to somebody. It doesn't matter how weird you are. God can use you. Don't let man's judgment stop you from moving in God's purpose. Today, we find our message in Matthew chapter three, verses 10 through 12. I will be reading out of the NIV version of the Bible. My Bible reads at verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 12 says his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. Today, I want to remind you that to be productive for God, we must obey his teachings, resist temptation, actively serve and help others and share our faith. So I know you're probably wondering what are good fruit? Good fruit as described in the Bible are joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Generally speaking, it involves you allowing the Holy Spirit into your life, creating a series of God-like characteristics as a result. God has assigned me to a group of people whom he wants me to lead to his kingdom, the misfits, the rejects, the little girls who don't think that they're good enough. You are worth it and so much more. God loves you. In verses 9 and 10, God is reminding us that God's people should produce good deeds, meaning if you really loved God, you would show more love to others. God reminds us further along in Matthew chapter 7 that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. We cannot build things for the Lord with dirty hands. God doesn't bless no mess. It's not verbatim in the text, but that's just how he rolls. I know him like that. Verse 10 is calling us to get active. Just think about it as a gym scenario a person can tell us that they're going to the gym every day but their muscles aren't growing stronger some people have had the same amount of faith intimacy and relationship with God since their birth flex your faith muscles they won't grow on their own in verse 11 we see John telling the people that his baptism was symbolic showing only as an outward sign of the inward commitment that still needed to be made and that soon Jesus will baptize us in a totally different way I love that God chooses to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. A lot of people relate fire to bad. A lot of people relate fire to hell. Fire in some cases were good, like the burning bush in Exodus 3 and the tongues of fire in Acts chapter 2. I don't know about you, but when I speak, I want people to know that I am lit about the Lord. That it's always a hot girl season wherever I am because God doesn't play about me and the passion I have about his word ignites something deep down inside of me that makes people want to watch my smoke. And when it comes to producing good fruit, yeah, I want all the smoke. I want you to want the smoke too. We all have the same enemy, but again, our battle isn't of this world, so we cannot fight like those in it. In efforts to expand the kingdom and the get better gang, we have to get active in our obedience. That's the only part of our journey that we actually have control over, our obedience. Today, I want to leave you with four ways you can be productive for God. The first way you can be productive for God is to obey his teachings. John tells us to make sure that we produce good fruit in keeping with repentance in verse 8, reminding us that God looks beyond what we say to see if our actions match. Again, obedience is the only part of our journey that we have full control over. The second way we can be productive for God is to resist temptations. Getting baptized is great, but it's only symbolic of the real work beginning. God's word reminds us that we have to pick up our cross daily in order to walk with Christ. We have to die of our flesh, of our selfish desires constantly. The enemy is real and is persistently trying to deter anyone
one who obeys God's word. The third way we can be productive for God is to actively serve and help others. It's cool to get on here and hear myself talk, but it means nothing if I'm not following the path of Christ by being a suffering servant. Yes, I go through things, but I also know these same things will help me grow. My real ministry is in my fellowship. It's in showing my loved ones love. I challenge you to no longer tell people that they can call on you for anything, but instead show them. And our last and final way that we can be productive for God is to share our faith. Share your faith with others. Share it like you share screenshots with your friends. Share it like it's some hot tea because I don't know if you've read the Bible in full, but baby, it's tea, sis. Majority of people want to talk about the good things that God has brought into their life, forgetting the bad situations that he's blessed them to come out of. You never know what part of your testimony can help make someone else's journey easier. Strive for progression, not perfection. My Bible is super marked up, y'all. Not because I think it's a part-time coloring book designed to help me stay focused while reading, <laughs> but because it's something special about marking up the text that helps me better connect with what's going on. Only thing is, sometimes I get excited and start using multiple markers, sometimes Sharpies, which doesn't come off the first time like the majority of the other things. The Sharpies require strategic cleaning and scrubbing in a certain area. But what if our hands never seemingly got dirty? What if they always appeared to be clean? Would you still wash them after changing a baby's diaper and before eating? True repentance is needed, even when our lives are seemingly perfect. I heard this week that God cannot heal, help, or fix who you are pretending to be. Someone you know may be open to a relationship with Christ. What can you do to prepare the way for this person? In closing, I want you to consider making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. The choice is yours. Once again, I would like to thank you for tuning in to What's the Word podcast. If someone was on your mind while listening, please send them the link. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review, y'all. Make sure you connect with us on social media, on Instagram at underscore underscore what's the word podcast and on Twitter at underscore underscore what's the word. If no one has told you today, I love you and I appreciate you. Now go be a blessing. Be sure to tune into next week's episode where we'll talk about the life of Joseph.